Notre Dame's depth on the defensive line took a hit on Tuesday when it was announced that one of the key reserves is stepping away from the team for personal reasons. But that being said, this could be a great opportunity for some of the young guys to step in and step up. All that and more on today's edition of Locked on Irish. You are Locked on Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked On Irish, your daily Notre Dame podcast. Today is Wednesday, January 24th, and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. I'm Tyler Wojak and I'm the host. I graduated from Notre Dame in 2018 and now I'm a producer covering college football for Fox Sports. And you can watch this episode as well as every other episode on YouTube or listen wherever you get your podcasts. If you are watching along on YouTube, please give the video a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. Or if you're on the go and listening to the pod, I'd really appreciate it if you took a moment to rate the show five stars and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Today's episode is brought to you by Fandle. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit Fandle.com slash locked on to get started. We got a packed show for you today. I know that it's late January. It's not normally a big time for college football news, but there's a lot uh, lot to get into today. The final rankings came out for the 2024 recruiting class and Notre Dame finished 10th. So I'm going to go over what that means and why Notre Dame landed at that spot. And if you want more recruiting coverage, you can go back to yesterday's episode. I had recruiting insider Kevin Sinclair on the show to break down Notre Dame's Junior Day weekend that happened this past weekend on Notre Dame's campus. A lot of great things happening for the class of 2025, but today we're going to focus and really put a bow on the class of 2024. Plus, uh, Tommy Reese is on the move again. Former Notre Dame quarterback and offensive coordinator has left Alabama uh, following Nick Saban's retirement. He was not going to be retained on Kalen DeBoer's new staff, and now he is off to the NFL. So I'm going to go over what that means. But let's start with some relatively unfortunate news that we found out on Tuesday. Defensive tackle Gabriel Rubio is going to be stepping away from the team for the spring semester. Notre Dame released its updated roster on Tuesday, which included all of the new transfers, all of the early enrollees, and most of it was pretty standard, although you do get some height and weights. Uh, that's kind of interesting. It's something that we'll probably use to track the progress for guys in the weight room over the course of the next several months. But right now, there really isn't a ton to gain from that roster update except one notable omission, and that is the senior defensive tackle, Rubio. So we found out, it's been confirmed by multiple different outlets by now, that Rubio is not on the team and he's not enrolled in the school. There's no, uh, There's been no official announcement from him or the team about his future. All that we know is that he's stepping away from the team for personal reasons. And I know that there are some rumors out there on message boards as to why he is no longer enrolled in school. I'm not really going to get into them. It's not really my place. All I know is that his future at Notre Dame is uncertain. He might return, but he might not. And I think for today, we need to act as if he's not going to return because a lot of times when guys are in this type of situation, they don't often return. So if he's unable to return to Notre Dame, specifically for the 2024 season, it would be a big loss for the depth on the defensive line. Rubio 
Uh, in this past season, he played a lot against Navy in the season opener. He looked pretty good as a reserve behind Howard Cross and Riley Mills on the interior of that defensive line. And then he suffered a knee injury in that game that kept him out until the Ohio State game. And then the rest of the way, uh, he was sort of making up for that injury. You could tell that he wasn't really at full health throughout most of the season, uh, but he still finished with 11 total tackles, seven stops, according to Pro Football Focus. He also had a forced fumble, seven quarterback hurries, and a pass breakup in 136 snaps. I think a lot a lot of people expected him to play a little bit more. He actually played more snaps in 2022 uh, when he played 184, but I think that injury really derailed his junior season, and I think there were a lot of hopes that he could be a key reserve going into next season. Uh, in that 2022 season, he finished with 17 total tackles, five stops, and four quarterback hurries, and then in 2021, he redshirted that year, and he had an elbow injury that kept him out. So this was really going to be a great opportunity for him. He was still going to be behind Cross and Mills, but defensive line is a position that you need to rotate a lot of guys in, in and out because it's just so physically taxing and the guys are so big and they're so strong and they were, you know, they're going hard as they possibly can on every single play. So I think, or I thought Rubio was going to be a key contributor in 2024, but it looks like that is not going to happen. So if he's unable to join the team for next season, who is going to have to step up in his place? You look at the depth chart. The first guy that comes to mind is the redshirt junior, Jason Anye. Jason Anye was basically uh, an afterthought for most of his career at Notre Dame, but then last spring practice, he had a really impressive spring, and that carried over into the summer and throughout fall camp. Uh, I think he really elevated his game over the course of the last offseason, and I think a lot of people had high hopes for him as well. And even though he didn't live up to some of the expectations going into the season, he was still a quality reserve. He played 155 snaps, uh, which is a little bit more than Rubio. He finished with 17 total tackles, 10 stops, 6 quarterback hurries, and he had half a sack as well. So it's going to be uh, on him, really, to step up his game even more now that he's going into his senior season, even though he has two more years of eligibility left. Jason Anye is a guy that I think has the confidence and the swagger to do that, but now there's going to be a lot more pressure on him to do so. And then behind him, you've got Donovan Heinish, Kurt Heinish's brother, who, by the way, had a really good game for the Texans going up against the Ravens. Kurt was undrafted coming out of college, and I I'm going to be honest, I did not really see uh, a great career for him in the NFL, but he immediately proved me wrong and a lot of other doubters as well because he made the Houston Texans roster um, despite being undrafted, and he's been really good. He had a sack on Lamar Jackson, and as my friend Pat Falkenberg said, that might have been the most unlikely thing to ever see in sports, watching Kurt Heinisch get a sack on Lamar Jackson. But, man, he's a gamer. He was a gamer at Notre Dame. He was a dog, and now his brother, Donovan Heinisch, is exceeding expectations in similar fashion. He played a lot more than I think most people thought he would uh, as a redshirt freshman. He had 100 total snaps in 10 games, and he had a— I guess I don't want to call it a breakout game because that might be a little uh, bit of an exaggeration, but Heinisch finished with three tackles and a big sack in the fourth quarter against NC State, and you start to think, like, wow, maybe maybe Notre Dame got something here with the other Heinisch brother for the year. He had 10 total tackles and nine stops, according to Pro Football Focus. So those are the two main guys who I think need to step up in Rubio's place. One, or ideally both of them, uh, is going to need to take a big leap and be that main reserve for Cross and Mills because for as good as those guys are and for as talented as they are and uh, for as much snaps as they're going to play, they're going to need some help on the interior. And I think that Anye and Heinish are the most likely guys to fill that role. Behind them, 
You've got redshirt sophomore Tyson Ford, Devin Houston, who's going to be a redshirt freshman, uh, and Armel Mukum as well. He's also going to be a redshirt freshman. But I'm going to be honest. I think Tyson Ford is just a miss at this point. That might sound harsh, but he only played 13 snaps last season. And as far as I know, I don't think he was hurt. If he was hurt, it was a minor injury. And I just don't think he's as good as his recruiting ranking suggested that he would be coming out of high school. I know that there's a lot of fanfare in his recruitment. A lot of people thought he was going to go to Oklahoma. And then as soon as Marcus Freeman came on board as the defensive coordinator, he basically pried for it away. And there was a lot of excitement about what he could do at Notre Dame. And look, it just hasn't panned out for him so far. Maybe he'll prove that wrong here. Um, normally, you don't see that this late in his career, but he only played 13 snaps last season. 13. And you got a guy like Donovan Heinish who already jumped him, and he's playing behind those guys. So I just I don't think it's going to work out for Tyson Ford at Notre Dame. But hey, maybe I could be wrong about that as well. I'm a little bit more optimistic about Devin Houston and Ar- Armel Mukum, specifically Devin Houston. He suffered an injury uh, coming into Notre Dame, and so he was kind of dealing with that throughout his freshman season. I think when he's a sophomore, that's going to be his first real chance to get some playing time. And I think that Houston or Mukum could make a dent on the depth chart now that they've been in the program for over a year. Uh, I would say that Devin Houston, in my mind, is uh, most likely going to contribute out of the two of them, or really the three of them if you include Ford as well. But we'll have to see. And then you've got Sean Civilano Jr., uh, who's going to be a true freshman. He's an early enrollee. He's a... He's a massive dude. He's six foot one, 339 pounds, according to that roster that came out today. So that's exciting. Notre Dame could certainly use his size on the interior, but I think that he's he's not quite in in good enough shape for what he needs to be in order to be a real contributor for Notre Dame or really any big time college football team this fall. So as much as I like the size, I like his future. I don't really see him uh, being a key factor on the defensive line this season. But if he were to you know, impress some people in spring practice. Maybe that carries over and he sheds some pounds throughout the summer under Laren Landau. Maybe he is because I think that he he's at least going to have the opportunity to make some plays there on the inside. And if he does, then certainly Notre Dame would love to have that. So I think when you look at it in totality, it's obviously a net negative that Rubio won't be around for the spring. Uh, I think we all hope for the best for him and hope that he can make his way back to the team. And more importantly, back to the university following the spring semester. But no matter what happens with Rubio, it's a great opportunity for these young guys, and I'm hopeful that they're going to be able to take advantage of it. Okay, coming up next, former Notre Dame quarterback and offensive coordinator Tommy Rees is on the move once again, and this time he's headed to the NFL. Does this mean he should regret leaving Notre Dame in the first place? Today's episode is sponsored by FanDuel. The NFL season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, including live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. You can even make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the most popular way to find popular parlays and more. So my pick this week. If you've been listening to me every day, you know that I've been struggling. Last week, I took the Texans plus nine and a half against the Ravens. That didn't work. The year, or the week before that, I took the Browns to cover against the Texans. That didn't work either. So today, I'm going to stick with the underdogs, Lions plus seven against the 49ers. I think that uh, they're going to be able to keep it close. They might lose, but I think they're going to cover plus seven. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. All right, it's time to talk about one of the most talked about people to come through Notre Dame in quite some time, and that is former quarterback and offensive coordinator Tommy Rees. So on Monday, Zach Jackson, the Cleveland Browns beat writer for the for the Athletic, excuse me, 
My Cleveland Browns, my favorite team. Zach Jackson is one of my favorite writers to cover the team. He tweeted out, quote, Sources, the Browns are working to hire Tommy Reese as tight ends coach, and he'll have a role in the overall development of the pass game. His exact title is uncertain, and the hire is not yet official, end quote. So that was on Monday, and then in the aftermath of that, there have been multiple other reports that say that the hiring is official, even though there has not been an official announcement from Tommy or the Browns. And as a Browns fan... I can enlighten you guys on a little bit of something. Kevin Stefanski, the Cleveland Browns head coach and the play caller, and the general manager, Andrew Barry, are in the process of overhauling the Browns' entire offensive staff. Last week, they fired Alex Van Pelt, who's the offensive coordinator, the running backs coach, Stump Mitchell, and tight ends coach, C.J. McCartney. And now, Kevin Stefanski, even though he's the lead play caller, he's sort of revamping all the guys who work for him, and I think it's pretty noteworthy that Tommy Reese was the first new hire as part of this overhaul. And also, there's this fun fact. This also comes from Zach Jackson. Tommy Reese's dad, Bill Reese, used to work in the Browns' front office, and during that time, Tommy worked a couple summers in the equipment room. So Tommy is uh, no stranger to the Cleveland Browns facilities in Berea, Ohio. And you might be asking, it's a fair question, how does Reese's decision impact Notre Dame? How does Tommy Reese becoming the tight ends coach have anything to do with what Notre Dame is going to do this season? It doesn't. It has nothing to do with what Notre Dame is going to do. But guess what? It's January. There's not all that much going on in college football. And like I said earlier, Notre Dame fans love to talk about Tommy Reese, either positively or negatively. I don't understand, quite frankly, why he's so polarizing uh, in the Notre Dame fan base. And I think if you know me or you've been listening to me for a while, you know where I stand when it comes to Tommy Reese. I like him a lot as a person. I've interviewed him before. I also think he's a great coach, and I think he's proven that. And I think that the smartest minds in all of football, not just in college, in the NFL, think really highly of Tommy Reese. And I trust their opinion more than my own when it comes to this, and a lot of you as well. And I I know that a lot of you know ball. I'm not saying that you don't, but I trust Tommy or I trust Nick Saban and I trust Sean McVay's opinion of Tommy Reese a little bit more than the rest. And they think very, very highly of Tommy Reese. And I think Kevin Stefanski thinks really highly of Tommy Reese. And that is why he hired him to be a part of his staff. And look, I admit Tommy Reese is far from perfect. Uh, especially at the college level. I think if you were to pick out his biggest weakness, it's uh, quarterback evaluation, especially at the high school level. He really liked Tyler Buckner, and he liked Drew Pine, and he gave both of them a chance as the starting quarterback at Notre Dame, and I think it's safe to say that those two decisions didn't work out. I admit it. He's not perfect, but I think he's still a really good football coach, and I think he's incredibly smart when it comes to scheme and X's and O's, and that's what his role is going to be with the Cleveland Browns. So, if you're one of those people who just hates Tommy Reese and you think he's overrated and you think he's a terrible coach, uh, that's fine. You're totally entitled to your own opinion. I think that you're going to look at this move for Tommy going from the Alabama offensive coordinator to the Cleveland Browns as just a tight ends coach, and maybe they'll give him the title of passing game coordinator, but still, it's not the same as offensive coordinator. He's not going to be the one calling the plays. That is going to be reserved for the head coach, Kevin Stefanski. That being said, I still think that this is a great opportunity for him because he's always wanted to be in the NFL. It's like the worst kept secret. Uh, his dad worked in the NFL for a long time. As I said earlier, he worked for the Browns front office. That's not the only team he worked for in the NFL. And I think that what Tommy does best with the scheme and the X's and O's and just diving into the film and all that, I think that's best suited for the NFL. And for the record, I think the vast majority of coaches at the college level probably want to be in the NFL because even though it's still 
a, a very serious grind to being any coach in the NFL, whether it be you know just a position coach, a coordinator, or certainly the head coach. It's a very demanding job, but at least in the NFL, you don't have to be a recruiter. You don't have to be the GM on top of being a coordinator or a coach, and you aren't worried about NIL and the uneven playing field there, and you're not worried about the transfer portal. I think you just have to focus on your job, and that's why I think Tommy Reese is going to excel in this new position. I think that Kevin Stefanski is going to slowly groom him into becoming uh, a more prominent figure as part of the Browns organization, or maybe he's going to develop enough in this one year to move on to some other team and become the offensive coordinator. And as I teed this up in the tease in the first segment, does this mean that he should regret leaving Notre Dame to go to Alabama? I still don't think he should, because I think that what he learned and what he gained in that one year working under Nick Saban, who, by the way, is the greatest coach in the history of college football, working under him for even if, even though it was only one season, and he probably expected it to be, I don't know, at least two seasons, maybe three. I think what he gained there, both in terms of the, the knowledge, just working under the greatest, the professional development, the connections that he made by working for Nick Saban, by working on that Alabama staff, I think that's going to set him up better down the road. Uh, frankly, more than what it would have if he just stayed at Notre Dame and been the offensive coordinator. I still think that Notre Dame would have had a better season if Tommy Reese has been the offensive coordinator. But like I said, I think he'd always wanted to be in the NFL. And even though that being the offensive coordinator in the college game is great, it gives you a ton of great experience, especially calling plays. I think that if you want to be in the NFL, it probably makes more sense to just be in the league, be a part of it network with those guys, work with those other coaches in the NFL, and specifically a great offensive mind in Kevin Stefanski. Like, if you don't follow the NFL that much, Kevin Stefanski is either going to win the Coach of the Year award or he's going to come in second behind D'Amico Ryans at the Houston Texans. Like, the Browns suffered a ton of injuries this year, and they somehow found a way to make the playoffs win 11 games despite playing five different quarterbacks. And I think a big reason for that is Kevin Stefanski and the way that he was able to maximize his personnel specifically on offense. So it's great for Reese that he was able to work under Nick Saban, and now he gets to work under Kevin Stefanski. And I think that this is going to open up more doors for him down the road. I think he's going to thrive. And there might be some of you who are wondering, why is he a tight ends coach if he never even played tight end in college? I think that's fair. He's been a quarterback throughout his life, and then when he's been a coach, he's been a quarterback's coach for pretty much the entire time. We do know, at least, that he loves using the tight end. He maximized the position, certainly when he was the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame, and he was really creative in doing so as the play caller. So he's probably not 100% sound in all the technique and the fundamentals of playing the tight end position at the NFL level, but he doesn't really have to. Like, how much more uh, technique conversations does David Njoku need to have, who's one of the best tight ends in all of football? I think it has more to do with being another great football mind in the room, and he's going to be surrounded by more great football minds whether it be with the Browns or whatever team he ends up next. But look, I just love seeing guys from Notre Dame have success at the next level. Put Tommy Reese to the side. You look at the Notre Dame players who've been in the playoffs, guys like Kyle Hamilton, Drew Tranquil, Aaron Banks. Uh, those are three guys who have been key figures on their teams in the NFL playoffs. And we are probably going to see uh, a few of them playing in the Super Bowl here in a couple of weeks. Plus, you got Kyron Williams, who had a breakout season for the Rams. Ben Skoranek has been a really consistent wide receiver as well for them. You've got all the tight ends who have come through Notre Dame who play in the NFL. And then the mainstay offensive linemen like Zach Martin, Quentin Nelson, Mike McGlinchey. Like, 
I love watching those guys have success in the NFL. And even though it's going to be a little bit different for Tommy Reese because he's not going to be a player, he's going to be a coach. Of course, I'm going to root for him to have success as well, especially considering he's a coach on my favorite team. And normally I'm really pessimistic when it comes to the Browns, but I actually think this might be one of the best decisions they've made in a really long time. So I'm rooting for Tommy Reese to experience that level of success as a coach, and I believe he will, and I hope he's with the Browns for a really long time. All right, when we come back, Notre Dame finished just inside the top 10 for the 2024 recruiting class, and is this a sign of progress, or is recruiting stuck in neutral? So over the last couple of weeks, I've spent a lot of time talking about Notre Dame's class of 2025. Um, last week, I went over the biggest needs left on the board. I had Brian Smith on to really go in depth on that. And then earlier this week, I had Kevin Sinclair on to recap Junior Day, which is all predicated on Notre Dame's class of 2025. But I actually want to spend this last segment focusing on Notre Dame's class of 2024 because 24-7 Sports released its final player rankings for that class now that the All-Star Games have come and gone on three rivals in ESPN. They've already released their final rankings as well, which means that we now have the final 24-7 Sports composite ranking, which includes all of those different sites that I just mentioned, and it creates an average for where these players rank and where these teams rank now that all of their players have been signed and they're ready to get rolling here in their true freshman season. So when you combine them all, Notre Dame finished 10th in the composite rankings. And if you look at the average rating per recruit signed, Notre Dame finished 10th in that as well. And the difference is when you add more guys to your class, the way that the rankings are structured, that gives you more points. So then you could climb up a little bit in the rankings. But sometimes those rankings could be skewed because you could have like 30 guys in a class, but you could get a ton of low three stars. But because you have so many guys committed, it's going to boost your overall ranking. So I actually prefer to look at the average rating for the recruit. And Notre Dame still finished 10th as well. So I think that pr gives you a pretty good indication of the caliber of this class. And when you look at it, uh, in total, Notre Dame had 23 commits. They finished with 16 four-stars and seven three-stars. And by the composite rankings, Cam Williams is the top-rated player in the class. He was the number 37 player overall. He was followed up by Gerby Lambert, then Kingston Villayamuasa, quarterback C.J. Carr, and then Bryce Young. That gives you five players in the top 100. So that's pretty good. There's no players in the top 40. Or excuse me, there is one player in the top 40. He's just at the edge of that at 37. But I think it tells you that this is really this is a really good class. And I think it tells you that recruiting has improved under Marcus Freeman. But let's be honest, it has not improved quite to the level that we thought it would once Marcus Freeman was hired. Now, the circumstances are a little bit different now than when Marcus Freeman was hired because I don't think we really fully understood the impact that NIL would have in recruiting. It's a huge deal now. And I think that, you know, if you had gone back in time 10 years and you took Marcus Freeman's recruiting strategy and the effort that he puts into it, and it was more of an even playing field with the NIL thing, I think that Notre Dame would probably be able to land a better class than 10th. I don't think it would be all that much better, but I think it'd be a little bit better. And I think we saw that in Notre Dame's class of 2022, when you had or excuse me, class of 2023 when Keon Keeley decommitted and then Payne Bowen and then you had Jane Lamar and Dante Moore didn't go to Notre Dame. All of that factors in. But still, I think Notre Dame's recruiting is in a really good place under Mark Freeman. I think that he's learned over the course of these past two cycles who fits, and that's a very important thing. Notre Dame is not wasting as much time with guys like Dante Moore who they spent a lot of time and energy on, and then ultimately they realized that, hey, even if he had committed to Notre Dame publicly, I mean, I think we all know that he's uh, silently committed at one point. 
it probably would not have worked out for him at Notre Dame, given the fact that he committed to Oregon and then he flipped to UCLA right before signing day. And then he played his true freshman season at UCLA, got a bunch of playing time, then got benched and then decided to transfer to Oregon. It was just a mess, right? And I think now that we know more about Dante Moore, he would not have been a fit at Notre Dame. Notre Dame has taken a different approach and they're really focusing on the guys who are the right fit. They're recruiting them earlier than they have in the past. And that's why you're seeing a lot more guys commit to Notre Dame early. And now they have the number one ranked class in 2025. That's exciting. That's great. A big part of that is because they have more commits than everyone else right now. And that's okay. Sure, Notre Dame had the number one ranked class around this time in the past two cycles as well. And clearly they didn't finish there. But I think that it shows growth in recruiting. And I think that Marcus Freeman is able to make up for some of the, you know, some of the outside factors that hurt Notre Dame recruiting that have existed forever, like their location, the academic requirements. You already know what I'm talking about, right? We've talked about that before on this podcast. It's been talked about ad nauseum by pretty much everyone who covers the team or roots for this team. And uh, we all we all understand it right now. Notre Dame is not playing on the same playing field that some of the other football factories play on, and that's okay. Notre Dame can still be really successful despite all of those restrictions. I think what we can talk about going forward, though, is how the impact of Notre Dame's play on the field is going to help Notre Dame in recruiting. Because even though recruiting is better, it needs to be even better if Notre Dame wants a shot at competing for a national championship. They've really strained out things for the transfer portal. I think the way that they prioritize NIL with guys who are already on the team and you know are really productive players, guys like Howard Cross, guys like Riley Mills, getting them to come back, I think that's a smarter way to spend your NIL money if you're Notre Dame, and they're doing that. So there's plenty of reasons to be encouraged about how Notre Dame is structuring its roster. But still, it's always going to be a program that's built through high school recruiting. And if you're built through high school recruiting, you got to be getting the top of the top guys if you want to be competing for a national championship. We thought Marcus Freeman would be able to elevate Notre Dame's recruiting into the top five annually. It hasn't worked out that way just yet, but I believe that it eventually can. They'll probably always be on the fringe, like maybe four to six if it ever gets to that point. But I think that Notre Dame could eventually get there. And it starts this season. If Notre Dame can have a really good season this year, if they win a playoff game and they show the rest of the world that, hey, they can win and they can win under Marcus Freeman and they can compete with some of those top dogs, I think you're going to start to see more of those top guys in the high school recruiting ranks consider Notre Dame and then hopefully commit to them down the road. So I feel like this year is a great opportunity for the team and just the one season and all that lies ahead in 2024. But I think that the implications from the season, if Notre Dame were to have as much success as I think they can, I think that's going to really impact the recruiting as well. And then you'll see Notre Dame go from finishing around 10th or 11th every year to maybe getting up closer to 8th, 7th, 6th, and then they'll start chipping away being led by their head guy, Marcus Freeman, who we know loves recruiting. And for as much as I talked about Marcus, or as much as I talked about Tommy Reese and how badly he wanted to get in the NFL so he didn't have to worry about all this stuff, one thing that separates Marcus Freeman from the rest is that he just loves the process. He loves the grind of recruiting, and he's damn good at it. And it's a big reason why he was hired, and it's a big reason why I'm optimistic about the future for him and this program. All right, that's going to do it for me today. Thanks again for making Lockdown Irish first listen of the day. Here's the plan the rest of this week. Luke Smith is going to be back on tomorrow's show. And then on Friday, I'm going to be doing another mailbag. So get your questions in. As always, you can drop your questions in the YouTube comments or you can send them to me on X at Lockdown Irish or via the Instagram DMs at Lockdown Irish Pod. Let me know what's on your mind, how you're feeling at this point of the year, and I'll discuss it on Friday's show. Please subscribe on YouTube or wherever you're listening to the podcast, and I will see you guys tomorrow.